the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, October the 4th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. On October 4, 1957, the space age began as we know it. The Soviet Union launched Sputnik 1. That was the first artificial satellite into orbit. Today in 1777, General George Washington's troops launched an assault on the British at Germantown, Pennsylvania. It did not end well. There were heavy American casualties. Today in 1940, Germany's Adolf Hitler and Italy's Benito Mussolini, they conferred at Brenner Pass in the Alps. Today in 1991, 26 nations, including the United States, signed the Madrid Protocol, That imposed a 50-year ban on oil exploration and mining in Antarctica. I guess from what I've read, that is, Antarctica is rich with minerals, oil, etc., etc. Everybody knows that, and everybody that should know it, I guess, knows that. And there's been a lot of efforts to try to mine that. But um, anyway, 1991, 50 years, you can do the math. Today in 2010, the Supreme Court convened with three women serving together for the first time. Elena Kagan took her place at the end of the bench. Today in 2017, President Donald Trump visited hospital bedsides and a police base in Las Vegas. That was in the aftermath of that shooting rampage three nights earlier that left 58 people dead. Remember that concert? This guy was up in a hotel there in in Vegas and broke out a window and just started shooting into the crowd. They never did, um, they were not able to find out what his motives were. It was a weird thing. I mean, I guess people that do that don't think rationally anyway, but I don't think they were able ever able to come up with a motive for it, as I recall. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 118, he says, "I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me, and art becoming my and art become my salvation. The stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing; it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made; we will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord, O Lord, I beseech thee. Send now prosperity, blessed." Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. God is the Lord, which hath shown us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even under the horns of the altar. Thou art my God, I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. That is the word of the Lord. If we want to talk about today how the word of the Lord is being being attacked by 
artificial intelligence, including running a service in a United Methodist Church. Yeah, AI ran the worship service in a Methodist Church the other day. We'll talk about that in a moment. As you know, the news across the nation and around the world, the House House of Representatives of the United States of America made history by voting out a Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy in this case. It, uh, it matters that 216 to 210 vote could create an unprecedented stalemate in the House, some of the pundits are saying this morning and last night. McCarthy's election in January took the most ballots of any speaker election since before the Civil War. They voted, what, 15, 16 times before he was seated as the Speaker of the House back initially. But uh, Matt Gates and he have had some issues over Re- Representative Matt Gates from Florida, both Republicans, as you know, <clears throat> I'm sure. Uh, they've had some real issues, and Matt Gates has held some grievances against him. That had to play into this that happened yesterday. Gates led the charge. A lot of people thought he would not be successful because that has been tried at least once before in the history of the House of Representatives, but it's never been accomplished. A, a sitting speaker has never been removed. The seat has never been vacated, as they say. But he's had a contentious relationship with McCarthy. He threatened to introduce that motion for weeks. He's been talking about this. Well, he felt like you know that, that was the time yesterday, and he apparently was right because he introduced it, and it was effective. And the Speaker of the House is now out. Gates argued that McCarthy had broken the terms of the agreement that he struck with conservatives in January, which allowed him to win. They said they would vote for him if only a handful of Republicans were needed to successfully um, remove McCarthy because the GOP has a very narrow majority in the House of Representatives. This is one of the reasons why narrow majorities are good, but they're also very dangerous. So what's next? The House business will essentially, I think, come to a halt. They were talking last night and this morning about being off for a week and uh, sort of regrouping, getting together, and then coming back next Tuesday, reconvening and um, electing uh, a Speaker of the House. Uh, McCarthy, at first they were saying McCarthy would run again among his peers and, and you know, tell him he wanted the job and see what happened. But he said last night, I watched his speech uh, late last night, he said that uh, he would not, uh, he, has, uh, he, he has no interest or no intention of put his, putting his name back into the race or the election. number of uh, people have been mentioned as possibilities. There's House Majority Leader Steve Scalise and uh, Tom Emmer from uh, Minnesota and Tom Cole from Oklahoma and Patrick McHenry, a Republican from North Carolina. He is the interim speaker, but it is interim. And there are several others, uh, Kevin Hearn from Oklahoma and Mike Johnson from Louisiana. We'll see how all this shakes out. It is kind of an interesting uh, deal that's going on here, though. I, I, the, the, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee 
and Weaponization Committee. John um, is a fierce was a fierce uh, uh, opponent of President Barack Obama and Republican speakers John Boehner and Paul Ryan. I agreed with him on both. I thought Boehner and Ryan did not represent what I know as the Republican Party, the Republican Party I vote for when I can. But Jim Jordan is now has said publicly last night, he said, I want to be Speaker of the House. I'm running for that. And he confirmed it to several news sources. He transitioned from Representative Kevin McCarthy's primary irritant over the last few months to one of his firmest allies. And I like Jordan a lot. I think he would be a, a, an excellent Speaker of the House. And I think, personally, I think that he is, is fully capable of doing it and he would lead the House of Representatives on a very conservative path. But I, he's smart. I don't think he would self-destruct. So um, we'll see what happens. He is uh, a well-known conservative. He's a founding member of the House Freedom Caucus. He continues to hold a lot of influence uh, among the Republicans in the House of Representatives. So we'll see what happens. And as I said, they're not going to be taking a vote, as I understand it, until next week as they kind of reconvene after they've <laughs> thought this through, I guess. I hope, Hopefully some, perhaps many, I hope all, I wish all, would be prayerful about it as well. But there is one other interesting aspect to this that's emerging, and I'll just share it with you. You may not have heard it yet, but there will be conversation about it if it proceeds. But during uh, <laughs> during some of the broadcasts last night, there are some House Republicans that are now making an effort to draft former President Donald Trump as a potential replacement for Kevin McCarthy. You say, well, he's not in the House of Representatives. He, you don't have to be, and, and I know this is not generally known, but you don't have to be in the House of Representatives to be elected as Speaker of the House. I don't know if they've ever done it or not. I didn't take the time to look it up, to be honest with you. I was focused on other things, but um, I know it's possible. Uh, you, They can do that if they choose to. They could, they could just choose someone to be Speaker of the House. That would be unprecedented historically, I suppose. I don't think, as I said, I don't think it's been done before, but I didn't check that out. But last night, Hannity brought this up on his uh, on his show. He said this, quote, he said, now sources telling me, and I, Hannity's, whether you like him or not, and I think most conservatives do, but uh, I do, uh, but um, he's pretty well connected. I mean, he and Trump are in touch a lot. And uh, others. So he said last night on his show, he said, now he said sources telling me at this late hour, some House Republicans have been in contact with and has started an effort to draft former President Donald Trump to be the next speaker. He said, and I have been told that President Trump might be open to helping the Republican Party, at least in the short term, if necessary, if it is needed. Well, we'll see where that goes. Uh, it could blow up in the news today, or the news could decide that that's one of the many things they don't want to talk about and refuse to report because they don't want the people to know. We'll see which way that goes, but that is, I think, uh, legit, what I just shared with you. There is that conversation 
going on as we speak. Wouldn't that be interesting? That would give some people heartburn, I'll tell you for sure, if that happened. We live in a crazy world where every, you, you, you just can't tell from day to day what's going to happen. It's never been as unsettled, at least in our world, as unsettled as it is today. These are perilous times. They're interesting times. But I will tell you for certainty, in, a, in an era, in a place of uncertainty, in our lives, in our world, I can tell you with certainty that God is in control. That's an absolute fact. Let's talk a little bit about AI this morning. It's dominating science. It's dominating our world more than we know sometimes. But now we find out. The headline reads, Church in AI Takeover as Sermon Led by Chat GPT in Artificial Intelligence Breakthrough. That's the headline. Artificial intelligence tool, Chat GPT, was used to transform the tradition of a Sunday service at the Violet Crown City Church, a Methodist church in North Austin, Texas. There are a lot of tech people in Austin and a lot of them in the northern part of the city, and quite a few of them attend this Methodist church. It is it is not a biblical Methodist church. It's the old it's the old line United Methodist Church, but they have gone the way of hanging rainbow flags all over their church and all is welcome and blah blah blah. So that's where they're coming from, just right up front. But the news story says the word of God has now been officially taken over by AI as proved by this robot-generated sermon, which included humans worshiping. I wouldn't say it has been taken over, but those in ministry are certainly trying to lead the church in that direction. Many of them are. This pastor certainly is one of them, but it didn't work out as well as he thought it would, and I'll get to that in a moment. But there are a lot of pastors that are supplementing their pastoral work with AI. They're using it for research. I, I understand. I'm not saying it's sin to use AI. I'm just saying we're on a path that is not going to end well. You can now forget the stereotype that religion is backward, the journalist said as this Methodist church in Texas now uses artificial intelligence to conduct a service, a worship service, with chat GPT. The Violet Crown City Church, a Methodist church in North Austin, transformed the tradition of Sunday service into the new age with artificial intelligence. Pastor Jay Cooper, he's the pastor of that church, he decided to debut an AI-generated worship service on his congregation. He, uh, he says he recorded the service while letting the artificial intelligence generator conduct, conduct the service. He said, with AI being able to create prayers, a sermon, and an original song based on the sermon itself. This Jay, the, the pastor, he insisted that he was able to use AI in a way that many would not have thought of and take the stereotype that Christianity meant being unaccepting and stuck in the past. Keep in mind now the context of this church and what they believe and don't believe. 
So they're talking about not being stuck in the past. When people talk about not being stuck in the past in regards to Christianity, they're talking about staying true to the Judeo-Christian values and principles of the Bible. That's what they're talking about. This church is one of them. This pastor is already leading this church astray as they are waving their rainbow flags and their transgender and all is welcome and we're better Christians than you are because we accept all these people as they are. When Jesus himself does not accept those people as they are except when they are confessing their sins Jesus didn't die on the cross to affirm a bunch of people who are confused over their sexuality sexuality and a lot of other issues Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead to forgive us of our sins and to transform us and to give us the power to live according to his word not according to the norms of the world that keeps changing and evolving devolving toward destruction and churches are proclaiming that kind of a, a warped gospel, and it's another gospel. It's not the gospel of Jesus Christ from their churches. That's this church. So keep that in mind. But the idea to create an AI-generated worship service, this pastor says, came from my belief that the church should not only be aware of the most pressing issues of our world, but also to actively engage in them. Well, we can be engaged in the pressing issues of our world. I think most evangelicals are. We care, but we don't need to turn over the pulpit and the worship service in the church to AI. Local television station, of course, they were all over this. All of them, several of them were. I think there's two or three of them there. But anyway, in in Austin, KXAN, they they said this, TV. They said, from the classroom to the workplace, artificial intelligence has made its way into several parts of our lives, but now it's in the church as well. The Violet Crown City Church in North Austin hosted a Sunday service entirely created by AI. Fox News, they picked up on this as well. They wrote about it. They said, with artificial intelligence seemingly infiltrating every facet of our lives, one church decided to experiment with the technology for one of its services last week. Violet Crown City Church in Austin held an AI-generated service on Sunday describing the Um, experiment as, this is Fox News, uncharted territory. This Sunday we're entering somewhat uncharted territory by letting CHAP GPT create the order of service, prayers, sermon, liturgy, even an original song for our 10 o'clock service. Fox said the church wrote on its official Facebook page. I wonder how the members of the church felt about it. I would guess, given the position, the theological positions of the church and the area. The area is is very secular. It's probably the most secular or most leftist place in Texas around Austin. Some of them express themselves to the press. uh, Chat GPT kicked out about a 15-minute service, like a shotgun sermon, somebody said. Uh, It's very clear that a human element is still needed. I had, to fill, I had to fill out the service, the pastor said, with additional prompts. I'd add a couple of prompts to the sermon to kind of beef it up. You begin to, as you look at this story and see how it developed, you begin to see how there was an emptiness. And a, a cool, anytime you bow down between a, an image that has been carved by the hands of man, you're bowing down to just that. 
a false god, a wooden image or stone image made with the hands of man. That is not God. But from time immemorial, people have had this need in their heart to know God and to worship God. And when they have not been led to God, they've been led to false gods. We see that so prominently in the New Testament, where Paul is, is preaching and preaching to, to the Greeks. And, and he he's, looks at their, as he is at Mars Hill, and he looks at all of these gods. And then he sees this God, the unknown God. They, every god, that, everything they could think of, they had made a god, but they said, in case there's something we haven't thought of to make into a god, we will worship the unknown god. And he addressed that. But that is human nature throughout all of history, from as far back as we have recorded history of man, which is in the Old Testament. People have always had a need for God, and they are so often misled to a false god. This pastor, Cooper, he said he got the idea after reading more about AI and speaking with members of the congregation who are software developers. As I said, there are a lot of tech people around, around well, in Texas, but a lot of them around Austin. This church attendee, Ernest Chambers, I don't know if he's a tech guy or not, but he said he was unable to worship during the service. He probably isn't. But he said ultimately it was still missing a key ingredient for him. He said there was no feelings. He said, I'm not sure that AI can actually express the emotions of love and kindness and empathy. He said, I think that we must practice love and express that, not only feel it, but we must express it. There's this other um, woman that uh, was quoted in a number of news stories. And I'm not sure if she attends this church or not, but she's in the area. Samantha Shorey, she's a communication studies assistant professor with the University of Texas at Austin's Moody School of Communication. And uh, she was appointed to a study panel focused on exploring the future of AI in society. And there was a lot of local news in Texas when she was appointed to this committee. But Shorey said, now is a critical point for communities to decide the appropriate use of this technology, which spaces uh, which spaces to welcome it into, which spaces is a word that progressives always use all the time, so-called progressives. But her biggest concern is putting too much trust in text generated by a computer. She said, I encourage you to think critically about AI content. Well, I would agree with that. I think we should think very clearly because somebody puts that inputs that data. The, the mind, the human mind is creative. The AI, quote unquote, mind is a piece of metal or silicone or whatever that has been filled and processed and programmed by a human mind somewhere at some point. But the concern that they have, and I, I'm not a tech guy, but I, I mean, I'm just following this. I see the moral implications of it. But they, at some point, these guys are saying it, it, it will take over because it'll have so much data and it'll all be, you know, organized and the algorithms and all of that will be in order to where it will take over. And if it has access to where people are getting their information, a la the Internet and 
television stations. I mean, when will when when will AI be writing the news for you? I'm told it already is in many respects. They put in the specifics on a news story, and AI then creates the news story. They tell them they want 250 words, which is about a minute and a half in normal talking, and they put all that in, and out comes a news story. How many people can they get rid of on their payroll if they do that? I mean, that's where this—that's the reality of this thing. Then, when you look at it in the church, and how the church is is looking at it, the liberal, so-called progressive, not progressive church. So that—that's why it's important to us to be informed about it, not just so we can like use it. But I'm—I—I want to be careful. I don't believe it's sin in and of itself. I'm not suggesting, as some did when I was a kid, that TV was a sin. I, I think they were right now, but nonetheless, um, I'm just saying we need to be informed. We need to understand what's going on, at least in, in a in a cursory way, so that we can not be misled. We must be discerning, and we must be informed. The New York Post reported that Cooper, the pastor, plans to keep his sermon on the motherboard at, uh, to a one-time experience. He said he told the New York Post, he said, I, I don't think I'm going to do this again for a while. I, I think it went more badly than they're reporting. But anyway, he said, but I never say never. I suppose since it's possible, AI may yet be of use for us in some way in the church, but now we won't be using it to generate any more Sunday morning worship services. Cooper and other clergymen previously have pointed out that you can't get soul from syntax yet. United Methodists of all sexual orientations and general identities are equipped to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they might present themselves, their church website says. As children created uniquely and beautifully in the very image and likeness of God, we believe that our sexual orientation and gender identity are given to us as a gift. Therefore, our community commits itself to being safe and welcoming place in Austin for all and to working for full inclusion in the global United Methodist Church for our LGBTQ plus AI siblings. While they seem uninterested in continuing to use chat GPT for their church services, they remain deeply committed to rewriting biblical teachings on homosexuality. That is generally the case. The more non-biblical a church is, the more apt they are to integrate artificial intelligence into the life of the church and into the life of their worship services as well. In this case, it, as I said, it didn't end well, particularly, apparently. They, I mean, people didn't like it, obviously. I can read between the lines. You don't have to be too discerning to see that this was not a good, did not work out the way the pastor had hoped or thought that it would and others. But the point is that the left keeps, the so-called religious left keeps probing and pushing and looking for some alternative to man standing alone before God and saying, God, I am the pastor of this church. What would you have me to speak on? What would you have me to say? I know I know that sounds archaic, but that that is 
our relationship with God, it's personal. And it cannot be intruded upon by these other mechanisms trying trying ever so hard to become a god. Thanks for being with me today. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for your support. We need it. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.